0: From yesterday's innovations to tomorrow's technologies, this is Market Scales EdTech Today with your host, Kevin Hogan.
1: Welcome to the latest episode of EdTech Today. My name is Kevin Hogan. I'm glad you found us. And with me today, I have a whole panel of guests to address one of the most important issues surrounding education. Actually, it was the most important issue surrounding education until this past March when Unfortunately, COVID hit us like a ton of bricks, and that has to do with cybersecurity and the, the data security of school districts and so many different aspects uh, betwixt and between that. And I guess maybe we can start off, well, we're talking about uh, the organization k 12 and we're gonna go into and first talk about an event that's coming up, but I'll let our panelists kind of uh, introduce themselves and the event, and we'll take it from there. So Rivka, maybe you could start.
2: Sure. Hi, my name is Rivka Tajer, and I'm on the advisory board for the K-12-6 ISAC, which is dedicated to the resilience of the American school system and everyone involved, from students to parents to faculty to um, other kinds of participants, uh, vendors and districts themselves. My background is as a journalist covering security, privacy, and identity theft, and I served on the White House uh, NIAC Committee for Cybersecurity, the National Infrastructure Advisory Council. And this is a labor of love for me because in another life, I also started a public charity and ran it for um, mentoring at-risk youth. So the convergence of these two issues are really important, and K12 is a great organization that can um, help move things along and keep the kids safe. Great, and then Pat.
3: Yeah, thanks again for having us today. Um, my name is Pat McGlone. I run communications for k twelve six and for uh, the GRF network, which is a, uh, a network of cybersecurity sharing communities um, that help uh, specific uh, industry vertical sectors like uh, K-12 education that we're focusing with uh, here in k twelve six. Um, which we started uh, not too long ago, and Eric can give the the background on, uh, on the development of that, which has been years in the making. But I came into this by way of politics. I used to work for Chairman Mike Rogers, a retired congressman who ran the House Intelligence Committee, and he was a big advocate for cybersecurity, and that kind of sparked my interest and ended up with FSISAC, Financial Services ISAC, really briefly before they spun our division out into Global Resilience Federation, which creates manages, operates these information sharing communities like k12 six
1: great well, thanks for joining us Pat and finally Eric
0: hi um, yeah Eric Langford um, I'm uh, one of the regional directors of k12 six and uh, most of my career was in the corporate world um, about twenty years in uh, information security or now called cyber security um, and I guess uh, uh, to give you a little brief history on k twelve six, about six years ago, I, I decided I didn't want to travel anymore, and I took a job at a small uh, private school, and uh, you know, at the time when I went in there, I said, wow, these guys, and I wasn't there specifically for security. It was just really o- to look at overall infra- IT infrastructure and things like that, but I thought, wow, they don't really give security much of a thought, and so I started at the time looking for something that they could be involved in, an ISAC. Uh, or some type of information sharing community, but there was nothing out there for uh, private schools. There was MS ISAC, which public schools could be a part of, and then there was RENISAC, which is the research uh, and education, which is for um, uh, uh, higher education, but there was nothing for private schools. So that's really where I kind of uh, started going down this path. And then uh, I was at that school about three years and then moved to a public school to help build out a cybersecurity program. And again, looking at it, I said, wow, there's not something that's on the priority necessarily. And at the time I met the president of Global Resilience Federation at a conference. I said, Hey, you know what? There's a gap in the whole ISAC infrastructure and it's K-12. Nobody is specifically focusing on K-12 and that means K-12 public, private, you know, whatever. And so she said, you know, you're right. And that's where this started. And that was about two years ago. Well, a little over two years. Ago. October of last year would have been exactly two years when we started down the path. So we started working to, you know, come up with uh, uh, and at the time there was no name for this, um, you know, and we came up with the name k twelve six, which the six stands for uh, Security Intelligence Exchange. And so that's really where this all started and came about. And so today, here we are, and uh, I'm glad that we can talk more about it. Yeah, well,
1: that's, that's great. And if, if, between the three of you, I think the hardest thing will be to uh, stop the conversation between your, all of your experiences and, and your insights. But let, let's start off first talking about what cybersecurity means from your organization's perspective. So, I mean, I've covered EdTech for a while and people will talk about cybersecurity and they'll talk about the safety of students and their behavior online, right? And then you have other people talking about um, uh, data privacy when it comes to the archives. And then they come to what I suspect is what you're gonna talk to me about, which is basically protecting the enterprise district infrastructure, of the, of the network. Am I correct in that?
0: Uh, I think that's, you know, uh, correct. I think going even further into that, and, and one of the reasons, you know, I like to say information security is, and, and you know, that's now everybody talks about cybersecurity, but I like the term information security better simply because that's what we're trying to protect is information, you know, whether, and it's the infrastructure side, it's student information, you know, most schools have student information. They've got information on parents. They, in their systems, they've got business information. So I would say, you know, it's trying to protect information as a whole that re- relates to anything K-12. Yeah,
3: and traditionally in communities like this, um, ISACs and, and ISALs, which are, you know, for, for those unfamiliar, essentially the exact same thing. They're uh, groups of peers getting together to securely share cybersecurity information for for mutual defense. Um, ISAC being a designation for critical infrastructure and ISAL being the designation for uh, non-officially designated critical infrastructure. But the goal of those types of organizations is really warning and mitigation. In most instances, you're trying to prevent something like ransomware from getting into a system. And in some instances, unfortunately, you're trying to help your peers, uh, you know, lessen the impact of, of an event like that. And that's what these communities are are really founded to do. Um, so you have information coming in to all the members. So the members in this case for k twelve six are are these school districts, the private, public, charter. And these peers are sharing, hey, look, I got this phishing email. Um, I want you all to be aware so you don't fall victim to it. And so they're talking back and forth through the collaboration portal. But then you have staff analysts as well, K-12-6 staff analysts, that are uh, doing research on uh, cyber threats and other uh, you know, intelligence threats and risks. And so they are kind of pulling that information together, enriching it, disseminating out to the members. Uh, and the, these analysts are also taking other sources of information, warning from um, other industry communities, from government, from private vendors they work with, and providing that to the members as well. So it's not just information from from one member to another, but it's enriched, you know, kind of professionalized intelligence from many, many different sources.
2: There's also um, a great opportunity because it's the K twelve system, because it's education. So the Global Resilience Federation, of course, has different sectors and uh, the school system is arguably critical infrastructure. We're sharing, you know, as engaged as the people are is how well it works. But in school systems, you're gonna have all kinds of people jumping in because it's designed for collaboration and teaching moments, right? So, you know, when science teachers get wind of it, they're raising the awareness, even among students and having them become cyber-intelligent and cyber-citizens um, is incredibly important because it's all about our habits and our behaviors and we're on Zoom all the time. So I think this sector in particular um, will have some great stories to tell that will raise the bar for other sectors Yeah, uh, in sharing.
1: Yeah. So uh, to your point, when I look at um, the offerings that you're having at your event, which is on uh, March 10th at 10 o'clock in the morning, and I'll I'll have you guys get the details on that. But when I look at the um, the particulars of what you're going to talk about, I think that that's focused specifically on tech directors or maybe now that that is a, is a wider audience than just a CIO or the or chief technical officer. Talk a little bit about that. I mean, who, who do you want to attend uh, the leadership symposium?
3: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think absolutely that audience, but I think, um, it's going to be at a level at least some of the sessions that would be welcoming to sort of administrators or other district leaders uh, that need to or feel like they'd like to better familiarize themselves with the threats and you know ways they can defend their students and their staff Uh, and then also the different avenues available to them if you know something does happen I mean, Eric's put together a great panel uh, that he can talk about that uh, is about you know, kind of coordinating different facets of that response. Uh, Eric, I don't know if you want to jump in and talk about that.
0: Yeah, sure. Uh, Yeah. So just real quick to, you know, jump on what Pat said, as far as, you know, the audience. Yeah, definitely director. It's not going to be a technical, you know, highly technical, but what we want to see is the tech directors, the uh, superintendents, administrators, school board members, those people um, all involved because it's going to be very specific to, um, ways of how they can, like uh, just to go into the panel, Pat mentioned, you know, what I'm going to specifically be talking about on the panel that I'm doing is, um, it's kind of, you know, are you prepared for something, you know, do you have a plan when something happens? And so we've got, uh, somebody who, uh, from a company that handles incident response, we've got somebody from the FBI, We've got somebody from a, a cyber insurance agency, and we've got somebody from the uh, U.S. Department of Justice that will all be talking about, hey, look, what is your plan if something does happen? Do you well, what are you going to do? Who are you going to call first? Do you have the right cyber insurance in place? Um, you know, what what do you need to do when when you say are hit by ransomware? Uh, how do you how do you. Um, uh, protect those systems that are still up. And, and so those are the types of things we're going to be looking at. And then one of the other panels is right before that is uh, school districts that have had breaches, not only districts, but a, a company that has had, uh, that provides services to school districts that have, has had a breach. So listening to what happened in that and, you know, how did they go through things and probably some of the mistakes they made. Um, so it's really, like I said, it's not going to be a highly technical um, presentations, but it's going to be very informative. Uh, and, and for those that uh, are not at the leadership level, I think what will be beneficial is it will allow them to understand and and talk to things to their leadership to say, look, here's something important we need to think about in terms of incident response or cyber insurance or, you know, working with law enforcement. So um, so really, I think it would benefit anybody in education and even just teachers. If teachers are interested in, in cybersecurity, I think it would just be a good uh, introduction for them on, on some of the things to, to think about.
2: And um, what's interesting about the non-leadership too, just to elaborate a little bit on that point is, you know, you can argue that all Intel now from anything from stealing people's and their parents data to um, the chatter that happens online before a school shooting is that there are a lot of people who are not in administrators who aren't part of the framework and the, the method of sharing, but are really the Intel data feeds, right, as it were. Um, People with boots on the ground who might know Intel that once they understand that there's an infrastructure are able to feed it. Um, And that can be students, it can be teachers, it can be principals, it can be administrators, and then of course all the others they're talking about. But that's what's interesting about this sector is that um, it's got different levels of engagement as a community.
1: And I'd say one, one thing that um, I think of particular value, uh, Eric, that's, that you mentioned is the sharing of, well, the, the cliche is best practices, right? But when it comes to sharing the lessons learned of being hacked or being the victim of ransomware, it's yeah, maybe it's, it's, it's worse practices. And usually in the education space, you find district leaders more than happy to talk about what they're doing and even have some challenges. But as a journalist, when I would go to approach and ask them about why their district was shut down for three weeks uh, because <laughs> they had to fork over five million dollars and then have to do it all over again three weeks later, not something that most uh, districts wanted to share about, right?
0: Yeah, and that's true, and that's and that's even uh, the case in a lot of other industries as well, you know, and and that was something that was kind of a battle when, so when it was 1998 approximately when most of the other ISACs for the critical infrastructure were founded, and not necessarily around cybersecurity, but Y2K, but when cybersecurity started being an issue, yeah. um, that was a, an issue, you know, something that they had to the struggle with of, you know, sharing information and understanding, hey, this is, this is about making each other better and helping each other, and it's the same in K-12, you know, there's, we're going to go through those struggles of schools going, well, I really don't want to share this with anybody, but but, you know, you have two ways to look at it. You can cover it up and just say, you know what, we're not going to tell anybody and we're going to hide it the best we can. It's going to come out. Or you can say, you know what, we got hit and this is what we're going to do to help somebody else so that they don't make the same mistakes, you know, that they can say, oh, well, thanks for telling us that. Thanks for letting us know that we should do this and that. And so, yeah, I mean, that's that's the, the beauty of the information sharing community is we can take all those those. And and you know and for teachers, I mean, I think specifically, you know, how do you learn? You learn by failure, and and I think that's the the best way to, to look at this is you know, let's share those failures out there with each other, and and one of the nice things about the information sharing community is we're we're uh, we govern ourselves with something called traffic light protocol, which basically says that hey, if I want something to be very um you know i don't want it to be attributed to my school i want i do want the information to go out to the rest of the community so that it can help them but i don't want anybody to know it was our school they can do that they can mark it as tlp red yeah and then none of of that information about them directly will get shared with anyone else so so we've got that ability to um you know remove remove the attribution piece to it but at the same time a school may say hey we want to know we want people to know because we want them to have that open conversation and open dialogue with us so that we can in the future, um, all get better. Yeah.
2: There's also, um, school systems are not accustomed to thinking of themselves in corporate infrastructures and the other vulnerability are third party vendors, right? So we don't think of them as vendors, like let's like scholastic. All right. Everyone's at those, they run every book fair. They're a classic third party vendor, but they're sort of People think of it more from the faculty and somebody comes and they have this square dongle and they run the book fair and the books come from Scholastic, but, you know, and the thing doesn't work and people are keying in their data and it's a security nightmare. But they are vendors and there are, again, certain best practices for things like that. And school districts, for example, private schools hire cleaning services. Um, Public schools have janitorial staff. So there's another external door that is um, physical resilience too. So there are a lot of ways just to, that have been thought through in a strategic way um, in corporate environments that I don't think have reached this community yet.
1: Let me ask uh, all of you guys this question. Um, You know, as a result of the pandemic, how has that changed um, security strategies for districts? I assume with with the move to remote uh, and the, the the move to hybrid strategies that that has made security that much more difficult. Is that is that fair to say?
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a fair statement, and and, and there has it has uh, caused some issues. I mean, there's been you know of course the Zoom bombings, probably the one that's the biggest. Um, but uh, and one of the concerns that I've you know I've spoken with a lot of people said, hey, when all these devices that have, we've passed out to students um, or teachers even are off the network and they're on their home networks and maybe unprotected or they're working from, you know, wherever unprotected, you know, what happens when all those devices come back to the school and get plugged back into the school network and that type of thing. So, so there are a a lot of concerns and it has changed um, uh, the way that you think about security because, you know, schools in the corporate world, you already had before COVID you, you know, there were a number of companies that were already starting people that traveled anyways or worked remote. And so it wasn't out of the ordinary. With schools, it was, you know, most schools, you didn't, you didn't do anything remote, really. Uh, most of the teachers were, you know, you did your job there at school. The kids were at school. So it was a big change, and, and, uh, um, and, and trying to put those controls in place to manage and secure all those remote devices uh, has been a, a challenge. Yeah,
3: I mean, to, to second that, um, you know, schools are by and large familiar with e-learning. It was just so accelerated once COVID hit if you look at the, some of the stats out there about ransomware attacks and the increase in ransomware attacks, particularly, uh, and the percentage of overall, uh, ransomware attacks that education represents, it's, it's a little shocking, a little alarming. Um, so, you know, I think the threat actors recognize that, um, this is an industry that's kind of had to sprint to catch up, um, in the face of, of COVID and, and new uh, you know work from home requirements essentially, uh, so I think there's even more of a call to to join together in, in a, you know an entity like this to try and protect the education sector really and, and their students and families.
1: Okay, final question, uh, as we look towards the future uh, to AP, uh, as I call it after pandemic, um, what would be um, the panel's advice? to school district administrators or other people in leadership in their districts, besides going to your event on March 10th at 10 a.m., which we'll we'll give the particulars for at the end, um, be the first steps uh, for them to take um, if they feel that their district is in, well, frankly, danger.
0: So I'll jump in first. You know, there's a lot of information out there and a lot of different things out there on telling people what to do, frameworks, this, that. Um, And a lot of times school districts think, oh, we've got to spend a lot of money. A lot of things that you can do, you don't necessarily have to spend, you know, money to do. Um, Some of the, you know, some of the best things that you can do is just understand what's on your your network. You know, like CIS controls are a great one. Uh, The top six that they have, the first two are know all your hardware, know all the pieces of hardware on your network and know all the pieces of software. Um, I mean, those two things. It takes time, for sure, to do that, but you don't necessarily have to spend any additional money. You could do that in-house, you know, and look and determine, hey, what do we have out here? And uh, understand what you have and then uh, determine, okay, uh, now are these things that we have, have they been patched? I think that's a big one. You know, there's things that get harped on in security for years. One of them is, I'll, I'll mention a few of them, one of them is patching. Patch your systems. I mean, that's something that, you know, just if you've got whatever the, the software is, uh, doesn't matter if there's updates that come out, patch it. The other is, you know, passwords. Make sure you have good passwords and two-factor authentication. That's a big one right now that most, you know, even Microsoft and Google and other places are saying, look, if you've got, you know, we've all provide this, turn it on, turn on two-factor authentication. There's some, some of those basic things that don't necessarily cost any money that you can do to really uh, provide a lot of benefit in protecting yourselves?
3: Well, I mean, obviously, I think, you know, join your, your sector, ISAC or ISAL, in this case, you know, k twelve six. The more groups you have join, the, the broader kind of your, your security footprint is your security awareness footprint, I could say, your detective network. So, you know, the more involved they are, the more at the fringes these types of things are caught, the, the quicker they're caught. Um, and, you know, you can really expand your defense, even if you don't have a big cybersecurity team or, you know, even a big IT team. It provides a lot of benefit for, you know, for, for uh, small investment.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. And w- one of the things I'll say on, on top of that is, you know, one of the differences with K-12 as a sector and others is, and, and as a, you know, as, as, as other traditional ISACs, we're probably going to provide a lot more hand-holding than other ISECs might and other, say, like financial services, health, things like that. Because, you know, we understand that schools don't have the resources that, you know, corporate environments do. And so one of the things, just to give you an example of a benefit of joining, is we are going to have an open office hour session so that you can just, you know, if the school says, hey, you know what, we really don't know what to do in this situation, but we haven't been hit with anything, but we want to protect ourselves. We want to do this they can join those open office hours sessions and think of them as like a virtual CISO session where you can join and say, Hey, this is what we're, we have, this is what we, you know, what do you think we need to do? And we can, and we'll um, walk you through, Hey, here's what, what we think you need to do and kind of help you build out a, a you know, a basic program. And, and the other thing we're working on to do is, you know, we've had from members that have come to us and say, look, I just want a binder or something that I can say, look, here's what I need to do to build out a program and it's simple and if I get in trouble with something here's that so that's the other thing we're working on with members is that that very laid out step-by-step approach to say here's exactly what you need to do so just some of the other things that uh, you know can hopefully help um, you know answer that question on how do you protect yourselves
1: great and then Rivka I'll leave you with the last word Rivka (laughs)
2: Um, in the same vein one of the things that I think is important is disseminating information all the way down. So in the same light that we talked about, um, you know, passwords and two factor authentication. Um, and I believe Eric mentioned these kids are going to come back to school and plug in. They don't even need to come back to school that to tell them simple things like whatever service you have, Verizon, AT&T, 3 bucks a month, you can get that VPN service that teaches them habits. Hey, this, this terrible site you're going to to download free TV or whatever is a malware nightmare. Don't. And um, I find that kids really like that kind of stuff so that they're not getting their accounts taken over and somebody isn't using your school's email domain to go on the dark web and buy and sell bad things, right? And compromise the domain. So I think that this community also has the ability to disseminate information all the way through.
1: Well, we've run out of time here. Uh, If you want to continue this conversation, if you're listening and you you want to know more, the K-12 Cybersecurity Leadership Symposium is on March 10th, 2021 at 10 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. You can register at www.k12six.org. Everybody, thank you so much for your time. A lot of great insights here and uh, good luck with your event.
3: Thanks, Kevin. Thank you.
1: And thanks everybody for listening.